Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. I'm Brandon Hall. He's our director of scouting here in North Carolina, Matt Payne. Matt, how are we doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, great time of year. Uh, you know, it's one of those favorite times of year for me. Obviously, we're still bombarded with trying to get information out. We're, we're on the phone a bunch with college coaches and you know, even some pro scouts as they're trying to, you know, finalize their, their 23, some colleges, their 24s. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we're seeing every day now is that number of teams that we're following is starting to dwindle. Um, you know, conference tournaments are in play. Um, the sad part is there are, there are seasons coming to an end. There are players' careers coming to an end. And we take that into account. And um, while that hurts, it is a great time just because we're seeing – the passion play out, the competition play out. You're seeing things kind of on the line, and you're seeing what this game means to a lot of players in the state. Yeah, it is. It's a really exciting time, and it, it's hard to believe that some teams are done for the year now with conference yeah. tournaments kicking off. And you see those tweets and Instagram posts of uh, you know kids playing their last game, and a lot of times it's good players, and uh, you hate they're not getting a chance to to play one more time in the playoffs. Yeah, and and uh, you know I love the conference the conference tournament set up with with a lot of these conferences. I never had one in high school. I didn't really think too much about it until I kind of got into this. Um, but you know, watching some teams make some runs. Um, we had a, one of our scouts at um, Apex Friendship in Holly Springs last night. Apex Friendship's a very solid club, younger on the mound, and now they've they've upset two teams. They beat Apex on Monday. They beat Holly Springs on Tuesday as we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, you know, so they put themselves in a position where, you know, they've moved up the chart a little bit in terms of how, are they going to be slotted for one of those, uh, you know, state tournament playoff spots. And I know there's a formula out there. I haven't cracked the code. I haven't even tried to crack the code. I know conference champions get in. Beyond that, I think everybody's holding their breath to see what the, the code is and the max preps rankings actually do so that you know where you fall and who you're going to play as you get in the state tournament. Yeah. Kind of look through those a little bit and you see some teams in the, in the RPI they do that, you know, maybe in the top five or eight, but they didn't win their conference. So you wonder, you know, where their seed drops to when the, when the playoff brackets come out this weekend or early next week. Right. And, 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 and which conference, which conference champion maybe gets screwed. You know, hey, we won. Congratulations. Oh, by the way, here comes a dude, and you're going to get him in the first round and go to work. So I remember we when my – that wasn't my last year. It was probably 2011, 2012. We had recruited a young man by the name of Tyler Barnett out of Hickory. And Tyler was a quarterback for the football team, late bloomer, you know, physical, athletic, lanky. But the fastball kind of took that jump in the senior year and went from being 88, 89 to being 92, 93 – you know, which in today's gun world would have been, you know, he's 93, 95. Um, and so we, we went in the state playoffs and there were a freaking boatload of people in there to see him. And they're playing against a team that had gone 22 or 23 and one throughout the year as the number one overall seed. Hickory kind of backdoored it and snuck in. But congratulations, you had a great year. And here's Tyler Barnett and he freaking punched 17. Um on his way to getting Hickory to the next round where they got smoked in four innings after that. So again, the one playoff game scenario can be tricky, can be scary because of that. Who lines up and who do you see right out of the gate? Yeah. And then you, we look at conference tournament schedules this week and you wonder who's trying to line up their pitching for the, 
for the playoffs because if conference yeah. championship games on Thursday or Friday night and you try to you try to win your conference tournament, then your your ace or the guy you like may not be available in that first round on Tuesday. Yeah, and and what most schools looks like is they've done here. Some of the higher seeds have kind of figured out. We think we know who we're going to play, and so you may see you know them start to set their ace up for later in the week. But a lot of them, because the brackets aren't out, because nothing's for sure, and because there are so many good arms across the state that may end up sneaking into the tournament, I think you do have to have your ace in the position where he can throw that game one if you need him. Um, and you may not be able to make that decision until Monday when the powers that be you know, put the, the bracket out. I know it's funny following the coaches on Monday because it's it's I guess it's supposed to be out like at 10 or 11 a.m., you know, at noon we'll get an update that will be out at 2. At 2 we get an update it's going to be out at 6. And about 6, and you know, we finally start to see the bracket and go, okay, here's where they're playing. Well, now these coaches are scrambling, trying to get scouting reports on a team they play in, you know, 16, 17 hours, um, you know, with a one-game scenario. So it's that, that first game is, I think, the key to the entire tournament. Can we get settled? Can we get into the tournament play? Can we get past some nerves of that one-game knockout stage and players seeing their future ending in front of them? Can we get past Tuesday? And if we do that, then we have a good chance to kind of just settle in and play and be who we are. Yeah, and then you you wonder how many coaches out there are hoping for a little weather at some point next week so maybe they can uh, can push a game back a day and get a little extra rest for that pitching staff where maybe they play, uh, play Tuesday, Saturday next week or uh, – you know, do a little home field advantage to uh, set their pitching up correctly. Well, we've seen that. We've seen an ace start the first three games of a tournament before, <laughs> just with the way it runs. And all of a sudden, you're three and zero, and you're you're rolling. You haven't had to go in your bullpen except in a blowout and save some innings for the guy. But um, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in the one and done scenario, and it makes it exciting. Um, I don't think it's the fairest form in terms of deciding a champion. I've expressed that before, but it definitely is exciting and. You know, as we get closer into next week, you know, you and I will start to break down the brackets on Monday and Tuesday, you know, make some selections in terms of potential upsets in the first round, you know, and maybe even pick a final four and a champion. I know, I think we picked final fours last year, and I think I, I had like two left after the second round out of all, you know, all five brackets maybe that we picked. So, um, it it can be it can be a tournament that runs to form and you go okay I know who's going to be in the championship game and here they are. It can also be a tournament that gets turned upside down on its ear and you get two teams that were battling to be five hundred through most of the year. And all of a sudden they're playing in a regional to get to a championship game scenario. Yeah, yeah. I look at our Power Twenty Five and you know a lot of the top six eight schools is from the East and they're in the four A. So obviously we have teams that that we think are the best. 10 teams in the state that that may face each other early and, and beat up on each other early and uh, may not even make it to the final four. So let's jump into that. You know, the power 25 came out uh, here in North Carolina on Monday. Um, you know, it's providing the, the top 25 teams in the state of North Carolina, regardless of your classification. Um, as long as you're playing for a state championship in North Carolina, you're eligible. Um, we've got the teams and then we've got their records. We've got their previous rank. Um, and then we've got, you know, you did a great job, you know, giving us details on all 25 teams, how they've been playing, what, what's been successful, things to look out for, bumps in the road, um, things of that sort. And, you know, the first thing that jumped out to me was the top six 
and this week's rankings were the exact same as last week. So obviously, at the top of this poll, we've got some teams playing very, very well. Um, and then the next thing that jumped out to me was exactly what you're talking about. Wake Forest, Middle Creek, Pinecrest, New Hanover, J.H. Rose, Corinth Holders. All those teams, I think, and I could be mistaken, but I think all of those teams are 4A East. Is, is that about right in your uh, recollection or miss somebody? I think Rose is 3A. Okay, so that's that that split conference where – Yeah, I got no shot following all that. Easy to get them twisted up. Um, But even even with that, I mean, there's going to be a second or third round matchup. Pinecrest, New Hanover, Corinth Holders, Middle Creek. And, you know, who lined their pitching up right? Who gets to play at home? Um, You know, these are going to be some things that that may decide how those games play out. It's great for us as fans – because we get to see these teams match up right out of the shoot, which is a great thing. Um, you know, in terms of developing a power 25, you then have to go back and justify at the end of the year. Team got knocked out in the second round. You keep them in the top 10. So <laughs> it's, it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah, it is. And uh, the that's part of what makes the the playoff so exciting is the, the one and done and, you know, the upsets that happen early. But then on the flip side, you'd like to see some, some three game series. So maybe the, the true best team wins more often than not, but uh, either way, it's exciting. And um, some really good teams in the, in the top half of our power 25. As we go further down the power 25, one of the teams is jumping out to me. Um, and I, I think you saw them. And so you can give a little bit more background on, but they, they probably are one of the hottest teams in the, in the state at number 11, orange high school out of Durham. It's a team that, was not in our first couple Power 25s, snuck in about week three, and then immediately lost, bumped out. They may have even lost two that week. Um, and then now they've gotten hot, and they jumped back into our Power 25 two weeks ago at number 17. They continue to win. They're sitting at 19-2, and two, uh, and now all the way up to number 11. What have you seen from Orange? What do you like about what the Panthers have done so far this year? Uh, really consistent over the last few weeks. I feel like once they once they hit spring break, they really got on a roll. And uh, you go through their scores, and you know they'll they'll win a game three to one, which tells me uh, you know they can pitch it pretty well. And then the offense is, is put up runs at times too. And it's an older club, and they're kind of led by Jackson Barini there at the top, who's just you know a grinder, spark plug for them. And you see those boxes, and it kind of feels like uh, they go as he goes. And they also have some thump in there with with Ryan Hinch and uh, a few other guys that have, that have hit the long ball for him at times this year. One of the things you had in your notes that's on the article post on prepbaseballreport.com, um, much, of, much of their roster experienced last year's third-round playoff loss to J.A. Tros. Um, and I think just that one statement, they returned a bunch of guys from that club. They've made a run. Into the, they've gotten to the second week of this tournament. They've gotten to the point in the tournament where you've gotten in and you've gotten relaxed you know, you're, you're, you're playing well past what uh, three quarters of the state's baseball teams are playing. So everybody's kind of eyes on you. That experience, I think, matters for these types of clubs, knowing how to navigate the first and second rounds. And, you know, you see it with teams like a T.C. Roberson or J.H. Rose or a New Hanover. Year after year after year, there's that culture of we know how to we know how to work this tournament. Their coaching staff knows how to work this tournament. And I think that plays a big deal into this. Yeah, and I think 
you know, you look at them and J.H. Rose, and I think that's where the seeding gets important is if they do face each other again, who gets the home game? You know, Orange yeah. Orange has a, has a beautiful ballpark. They have a good atmosphere. Rose has a good atmosphere. And, you know, you mentioned T.C. Robeson right there, and that's, I think, an advantage they have in the West is you have to go there and play the – it's a little bit different setup, almost like a little stadium field there. And I think that's – you get into home field advantage where that matters in the playoffs. Well, and the other thing that happens, and, and some of these clubs do experience it in the spring, but they have to travel. You know, you have to get on a bus. You have to sit on a bus for two, two and a half hours. You got to plan a meal out around around your pregame and then getting to the game. You're going to get to the field a lot earlier than you would normally get because you have to expect traffic because you don't want to be late. You know, all of these things throw off your normal rhythms, your normal timing of what's going on. Teams that have planned for this during the regular season tend to adapt to it. Teams that have experienced this in playoffs in the past tend to adapt to it. But if it's your first time and all of a sudden you're used to being at the field two hours and 15 minutes before the game with all of your conference games being within 20 minutes of each other, and now all of a sudden you're taking a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride and you're there three hours and 15 minutes before the game, you have an hour to kill before we're going to stretch. Now, okay, what happens? And it's a small thing, but in a seven-inning game, a small thing can can cost you two innings. And in a one-and-done one scenario, that can cost you your season. So Yeah, I think, you know, you go back to the top half of the bracket there, you're going to have, you know, a Wilmington school that has to go to Raleigh or vice versa. And then you get in the West, uh, um, a mountain school or, you know, somewhere like that that has to go down to Charlotte. And, you know, you don't do that during the year often. So it changes your routine and, and how you feel and different perception of, of, of things. And it, it plays into the importance of the coaching staff. And, you know, what is what is the coaching staff providing in terms of support for its players? Um, you know, and even to a point, what's the school providing? Some schools have charter buses. Some schools are taking the activity bus. You know, some schools have five and six coaches in the dugout. Some schools have one. You know, that stuff, that stuff can matter. And in a one-run game and a seven-inning game, those little things can, can start to kind of pile up and mark up in terms of giving players their best chance to be great night in and night out. Uh, Matt, as we kind of continue down – um, and, and looking at some of these teams, and you know, there's a team at 18. I want to talk about High Point Christian. I've seen them. Um, it's a it's a left-handed heavy lineup. It's a physical lineup. They've got some seniors on the mound. They've got experience. They won a state title last year. Now they're sitting at 22 and three. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting. It's they're an interesting team to evaluate because we don't see them in a conference where they're tested constantly night in and night out. But now as they get into their state playoff run, we're going to get to see them. Can they, can they bounce back? Can their three get some key wins and some key outs? Can their one and their two really sustain them in the games against quality opponents? Uh, one of their losses, I think, was uh, this past week, the Westchester Country Day, where they saw uh, Josh Hammond, uh, you know, a really, really good arm committed to Wake Forest, um, you know, so they've, they've seen good arms. That's not going to surprise them. They get the ne- that into that tournament level. Kind of your expectation for High Point Christian as we see the brackets released. Um, I think they're an independent school, NCISSA 3A, I think. Yeah. Don't hold me to that. But what, what are the kind of the expectations for you? Uh, I think they're the, the easy favorite in the, in the NCISA 3A. Uh, you know, they're, Loaded team, you know, they had a loss recently, but still jumped up just with 
their body of work and the talented roster. Uh, sometimes you get into those teams, like you said, it's it's hard to evaluate them a little bit because maybe they don't play in a uh, have the conference schedule that's you know has the depth of of some leagues or maybe the the rivalries that some of the the public school leagues have to where you know no matter how good or bad a team is, they have that passion and little hometown rivalry. I think maybe you miss that a little bit in the with some of the private school stuff, but obviously a, a loaded team and uh, would be surprised if, if they didn't win another state championship. Another private school team that I've seen that I think has a chance to do something special this year. And, and, and one of the teams that fell out of our rankings and I went back and looked, I think it's the first power 25 that you, you and I have put out over the last four years that didn't include Charlotte Christian. Um, and they're sitting in fourth in their conference right now. Uh, Providence Day and Covenant Day are playing uh, this week, a two-game series where Covenant Day won the first game, scoring three in the top of the seventh to win 4-3. or They won a one-run game last night uh, to take game one of that series and, and move their magic number to one. Um, but the team that played Charlotte Christian last year for the 4A state championship was Metrolina Christian Academy. Really young club last year. Perry Hargett at short. Uh, another middle infielder is committed to uh, East Carolina. Uh, they've got a Davidson commit. Um, you know, they've, they've got several other players that have continued to tick up and get better. They've got a freshman in Chase Kiker, who's a strike thrower with a really good breaking ball that's kind of led them at times on the mound. So, you know, this is a club that has a chance to do so. They got a chance to play last year and get a taste of that, that tournament run. I think that tournament, the 4A level, is wide open. Obviously, Wesleyan Christian uh, is sitting out there with Sam Cozart. Who's going to get matched up with him? How are you going to get around that big arm? But I think Metroline Christian's offense has a chance to touch him at times. Not that they're going to you know, pile up hits, but they're not going to have to play for a one one nothing game. So teams like that excite me as we're looking at the tournament because they're, they're getting to build that history. You know, they, they, there's not a ton of history with them making deep runs in the playoffs, but they have it in front of them this year. And I think for that 4A group at that level, it's wide open because we don't know what Charlotte Christian, if they're one, if they're going to make the tournament. And then two, what you're going to see when you do see the tournament. It's still a very, very talented team. They've just lost a bunch of close, you know, one and two run games. Yeah, it's uh, very different not seeing them in our, our power 25 and, you know, even you know, growing up in the state, that's a program that, you know, you had respect for as a player and then get on the other side of it and see what they do year in and year out and not having them in there. But then you go to Metro Atlanta Christian and, you know, the lineup's got power in the lineup. They got speed. They're really good up the middle with, with Hargett and uh, I think it's Neil Griffin and having a great year. And I think that's it. the four, the 4A, the 4A side of, uh, of that bracket could be, could be very exciting because if, if Charlotte Christian gets in, I mean, you still got it. You got their history, so it's you know they may be having somewhat of a down year for them, but they can beat you on any night too. Matt, we're going to wrap up the talk about the Power Twenty Five. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my answer first. But I'm going to ask you the same question. I want you to give me a club that's outside the Power Twenty Five now, and maybe isn't even on the radar for the Power Twenty Five. Not a team that's been bouncing around in and out, and you go, okay, they just didn't have a good week. I'm looking for a club that's maybe on way on the outside that has a chance to you know, wreck a tournament bracket. And, and the, first, the team I'm going to give you is a team I saw over spring break, um, the Broughton Caps out of Raleigh. Um, <laughs> they went 
They've gone nine and zero. I know Sammy's going to love me, love me talking about this. They've gone nine and zero in the cap six. They've got one more game in in that conference to try and go clean sweep for the year, which is a very difficult thing when you start talking about. Um, you know, Leesville Road's got arms. Uh, Sanderson's got a deep lineup. Cardinal Gibbons is a good club. Um, Athens Drive's got got some talent on their roster. So they've been able to kind of make this run. It's a it's a conference where there's I think this is one of the conferences where there was a lot of changeover because I know in the past, you know, Millbrook, uh, Sanderson, uh, Garner's been in it in the past. Wakefield's been in the past. Wake Forest possibly in the past. So the conference has switched. It's still got it some depth and going 10 and 0 in that league is good at, at nine and 0 right now. They were 14 and seven going into conference play, you know, a couple of non-conference games kind of mixed in there and out. So, Obviously, their their conference play has really picked them up and put them in a position where I think they have a chance to have some confidence about themselves. My point on them, and the reason I think they have a chance to wreck some brackets, they've got some senior leadership and they've got some tough outs in their, in their lineup. Um, they're they're not going to be phased by seeing a good arm. Then they also have a sophomore, Sam Harris, is an NC State commit, <clears throat> who's a, a legitimate ace. It's athletic. It's multiple arm slots. The fastball is not going to scare you in terms of what the gun's telling you. It may in about three years. But it's movement, it's location, and then he's got a slider. And the slider is a wipeout, devastating pitch. You know, you factor those things together. On nights he throws, they're going to have some confidence. On nights he doesn't throw, I think their lineup has a chance to punch some holes in some really good pitchers and force them to really work. So we'll see how that plays out. But for me, Broughton's a team to kind of watch that's Hasn't really been on the radar of our Power 25, but may wreck shop a little bit as they get in the conference tournament. You got one for me? I'll go Southern Lee. Uh, okay. So I'm, so I'm over spring break. Uh, you sit there and you watch them play, and you're like, that's that's a that's a really good baseball team. And, uh, you know, they the record may not speak for how good they are, but you look, they last two games they beat Lee County, uh, which is – a uh, talented club. We've had them in our power 25 at times yep. this year, but they have uh, three pitchers. They have a uh, Pierce Bowman, who, yep. you know, also swings the bat for them, can beat you. Uh, Kel Scruggs, I believe he's a Wilmington commit. And then uh, another kid, Cooper Harrington, who's uh, his brother was a first rounder recently uh, plays short when he's not pitching, but seen him throw and it's strike throw with a breaking ball and um have another kid in the outfield, Jalen Jones, who there, there's some swing and miss there, but but when he hits it, there's some thump behind it. And uh, I look at them that uh, that's a team you don't want to play early, and uh, you let them win win rounds one and two. Uh, you may see them in the in the final four of the three A East there. Depth on the mound because they're going to be able to mix and match. If one guy's not on, they can make a quick s- switch and get that guy back in the next game. Um, and I, I do – I like their lineup because Pierce Bowman at times has carried that lineup too. And so they've had some games where they've had to win 14-11. They don't have a lot of those games, but they got a couple in there where they've they've out-hit some people because they needed to. So that's a very interesting selection. And, and I, I agree with you that that's not somebody that somebody wants – another team necessarily wants to see lined up on their half of the bracket. You know, let's see if we can't get them on the other side or the, on the bottom if we're on the top and – let let them kind of work their way through and get knocked out before we get to them. So the Power 25, it's up. It's on prepbaseballreport.com. Go to North Carolina's News. You'll see it down there. We're going to release our final Power 25 of the regular season 
next Monday, which is a little different. We're not going a week in between. It'll be released next Monday as we get ready for the state tournament. And then our final Power 25 will be after all the state tournaments. we got two of them remaining. Um, and excited to see how all that plays out. <clears throat> Matt, with us getting close to um, tournament time, it also means that we're getting closer to our summer, our events, and our player evaluation. So I know we've got um, you know three big open events already on this website. Team Carolina Trials in Charlotte, our Team Carolina Trials East, which will be hosted at Campbell, and our North Carolina-South Carolina Border Battle. Um, talk to me a little bit about these events and, and, and you know the ability to see players and, and you know start to dive in deeper in terms of what these players are about. Yeah, an exciting time. Uh, you get to see some progress that guys have made that maybe we haven't seen in uh, seen a year, seen in over a year, and, and things like that. But uh, start with our border battle, and you know we play South Carolina in it, and it's uh, been an exciting event the last few years and a talented event. It's also been uh, heavily attended by by college coaches and even some pro guys rolling through there. And uh, I think we enjoy you, you see the kids work out, but then you see them tow it up and play at uh, at Charlotte there, which is a great place to play and. Even the Team Carolina trials, it seems like every year we have somebody who maybe we've heard the name but don't have a history with that shows up and impresses. And next thing you know, they're at the future games with us at Lake Point and uh, committing not long after that. And, uh, you know, it'll be time to put that team together before long. And best event in the country there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be some tough decisions putting that roster together here in the next couple months. Yeah, with, with what's happening in recruiting, we do expect to see commitments down throughout the summer from our younger classes, which is good for us as we're taking a team to the future games. It's going to make those roster spots a lot more coveted, though. And I think it has a chance to elevate some of our other events, our North Carolina South Carolina border battle. We may see guys that, you know, were already invited to future games, you know, now attending this for the exposure aspect. Um you know, obviously future games uh, last week in July, 400-plus college coaches there, really one game at a time, national exposure. Uh, Briggs McKenzie was a big winner last year and just absolutely lit it up on day three and, you know, went from being a guy that was fairly well-known in the state to being a guy that's on every national radar and committing to LSU. Um, you know, with our team trials, the, the thing that I'm always excited about with these events is – we come off the road in the spring, and we've seen these guys playing games. We've seen pitchers throw. We've seen, you know, hitters. You know, and sometimes you're not getting a really good feel for how athletic a defender is because he may not have a whole lot of plays. And the infield, outfield, maybe you know, suspect hitters are being pitched around a little bit. Um, you know, maybe guys are, are still kind of working on their in-game approach, and it doesn't give us a, re- a great feel for what their swing has a chance to be in the next couple of years. So we get to kind of marry those two things together, you know, that game player and then that that workout player. As I'm evaluating and I'm, I'm trying to decide, you know, players are going to come play for me if I'm a college coach or a pro scout, I'm going to tend to look more to that game player. You know, it gives me a better aspect as to competitiveness and the ability to take the fundamentals and apply them directly. But for that guy that is a little bit better workout guy, and maybe he's just not applying it yet. And there's five or six names flooding into my head right now. Guys that can run but haven't shown game speed yet. Guys that, that are really athletic and can get to balls. They just aren't catching the baseball cleanly all the time just yet. They're just 2,000 reps away. Those are the guys I get excited about. 
because those are the guys that have a chance to kind of be late developers. We see it with pitchers all the time, man. In that bullpen, the ball's moving, he's located, it's loose, it's athletic. It's just reading 80-45, not 90-92. But you can look at the frame and you can look at how clean the arm is and go, it's going to get there. Now, is that guy getting a ton of innings for his high school team? He may not because they may have a guy that's 90-92. But now we're seeing some of those those you know flowers start to bloom. And that's what the showcase environment and the workout has a chance for us to do. It gives us another glimpse at the player in a different light, allowing us maybe to project his future a little bit more. Is he going to hit his ceiling? We can't predict that. But it gives us a pretty good feel for what the ceiling has a chance to be. And that's why those metrics can be important. It's seeing guys you know, turn in a 10, a 30, and a 60 time, seeing what the blast metrics are, seeing what the track man metrics are, getting slow motion video, getting regular speed video, putting all those things together, and all of a sudden at the end of the day, we've got a pretty good feel for who that player is and what he may have a chance to be. Yeah, a couple of names that come to mind. Uh, Cade Morris showed up at a Team Carolina Trials last year. We'd heard the name, uh, maybe a little bit of mixed reviews of, I think he can be really good, he, he may just be good, and he shows up, throws, and presses, and then he goes to future games and dominates, and, you know, ACC commitment not long after that, and then you touched on the gameplay. Uh, Boaz Harper jumps out for me, who, yep. you know, we've seen him work out, look good in the workout. Uh, maybe haven't seen him a whole lot in the game. Uh, we take him to future games. He's he's on the field with some of the best players across the country, and uh, you know, gets his feet wet there. And I, I think he used that as confidence, and now he's committed to North Carolina. Yeah, that's that's two great examples. You know, because you could really see with Cade Morris, you could see what the upside was in that bullpen. And Trackman's feeding you numbers, and you're going, man, it's that's really good. It didn't translate in that spring though, because he's a basketball guy. And by the time they kind of really got rolling, and he had a late basketball season, they made a run, state semis or state championships last year. So his spring season was really cut short, and we'd heard glimpses in the summer. Man, he was really good. Man, he was erratic. But that that bullpen setting and the numbers we're getting, it was a no brainer. He's got to go. He's got to go with us. You know, guys that that size don't do what he was doing. And, you know, to your point with Boaz, you know, it's it was it's fun to watch him play defense. He moves around. It's it's so rhythmic, so effortless. He has fun with that. And then, you know, again, does it translate into the games? I don't think it was translating to games when he was, you know, in his freshman year. But that's going to come. We're going to see that happen. The more and more he takes ground ball, again, 2,000 reps away. He's going to be more and more comfortable with what's happening. So <clears throat> we've got, you know, on the site right now, Team Carolina Trials, uh, calling it Team Carolina Trials Charlotte, I guess. It's in Mooresville, North Carolina at Moore Park. Then we've got Team Carolina Trials East. It's going to be at Campbell University. Um, and then we got our border battle. Uh, I think that's sandwiched in between there. We've got one more other Team Carolina Trials that we're going to be trying to post. We're just waiting to finalize that field. We've got scout days starting up. Um, you know, players, if you attend an event already this year, reach out to myself or Matt. There are discounts available to, to attend a second or a third event during the year. We don't, you know, we're not real big on the you got to come to everything we do. We get it. You know, you guys are out playing everywhere. But if you've already attended an event, we've taken care of some of your costs for the year already. Reach out to us. You 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 deserve a discount. We have a discount. We will give you a discount. You are not bothering us. So feel free to reach out to us. Um, 
Matt, final words on, on some of the events we got going on and getting started with that aspect. Uh, question we get a lot is what colleges will be there. Um, you know, by rule, we, we can't advertise that, but, you know, those events have been well attended by college coaches and even, you know, scout days are different things where coaches may not be there. Coaches are checking in to uh, see what you're doing and, uh, and, and get information. So they're, they're heavily followed from a, a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. And in and, and all honesty, you and I probably hurt their attendance a little bit because we've got so many friends that are still working in the business. Their feeling is, well, you're going to tell me what they were anyway. You know, I'm going to go through your notes. I'm going to go through everything that you could post. And I'm, I'm going to call Matt Payne and Matt, this is the guy I'm interested in. Do I need to go see him? Yes or no. And Matt's going to say, yeah, you got to go see him. Okay. I didn't need to be there to figure out I need to go see him. Matt was able to tell me, boom, I can go see him now. And so a lot of times that's how it's happening. So <clears throat> I know you and I, that week after the event, we're trying to get all the numbers, all the information plugged into the system. And we're, you know, basically turning our phones off so we can get that done. And we turn those suckers back on and we've got 30 phone calls we've got to make with coaches that are working their tails off trying to ID players that have already gone through all the stuff that we've already posted. So um, it's a great point there. Um, and I'm excited to kind of get back out on the road and, and see these guys in actions and be around them and get a chance to, to talk and learn and, and, and get a feel for who they are too. So um, we'll start to close this thing down, Matt. Let's talk a little bit about – I know we, we jumped into the state playoffs uh, and talked heavily about, you know, some of the teams and some of the things we may see. Um, is there an area of the state – that maybe you haven't seen a whole lot of this year that you're kind of interested to see how they're going to finish and how they're going to be in the state tournament, uh, just based on watching box scores and things like that. Uh, I go to the Greensboro area a little bit. Uh, you know, there's some good, good, good teams there. Their conferences are split to where, you know, maybe not as, as balanced as some other leagues, uh, bigger area. Uh, be interested to see the, what, where those teams go in the first round and if uh, they not knock off some people that, that we've been high on throughout the year. Yeah. I always get interested and I really try to dial in when you start seeing, you know, cross region, uh, a mountain team goes to the triad, a mountain team, a Charlotte team goes to the mountains, um, you know, a beach team, you know, even heads into Raleigh or, or even the Greenville. It's not quite as far a team in the Northeast, you know, that, that really in all honesty and, not getting as much pub and as much coverage because it's harder for us to get there than it is to Raleigh. The second thing I look for is how much do teams in similar conferences or the same conference ruin brackets? Excuse me. What I mean by that is East Forsyth, West Forsyth. I don't know who else is getting in Reagan, Davey, you know, that, that conference may have three or four teams in it. At some point, are they knocking themselves out? And hopefully it's not till the third round, but we've seen it in the second. We've seen teams in Raleigh. You know, you get you get through your first round game, and then boom, you're, it's, it's number two and number three from the same conference playing each other, um, you know, and trying to navigate that. So uh, those are the two things I kind of get fired up to see is how does that interconference rivalry in a one-game scenario, because those teams know each other so well, how does that play out? But then also, how does it play out when teams have to cross regions? Um, is, is there a region in your head that you feel like it's harder to travel to and win? Uh, 
I would think if you're Metro, you know, Winston, Greensboro, and you have to make the, the trip to Asheville, uh, you know, you may go up there on, in May and catch a cold, windy night that you haven't had in a while. Uh, you know, and then um, I think about Greenville and the love for baseball there from the youth level up to where you go in there. I mean, you're kind of – that game can go any way just because of the – the passion and the energy that'll be be in the stadium for a playoff game. Yeah, so there's a couple places like that, and I think it, that can almost it, – it's it's baseball in the town. It's not just the high school baseball. Like Greenville gets fired up about Little League baseball, yep. and so they, they draw well. If Rose gets knocked out, a lot of their fans and, and family will go watch Conley play. And whether they're rooting for Conley or not, that's, you know, whatever. But they're there because they love baseball. They love that excitement. They want the popcorn smell. You know, they just want to be around that game. And so those games are packed. Um, You know, other areas I think of, I think of Cherryville, uh, RS Central, um, Rowan County. You know, you you catch Rowan County, you catch East Rowan at home, you better be there an hour and a half before the game because they're going to start to fill those bleachers up and you're going to be way down the lines trying trying to watch and, get a feel of what's going on but i also agree with you i I think traveling up the mountain is probably the biggest home field advantage and i would love to see that those brackets play out where some of those teams get that experience roberson's got a chance to play at home throughout um you know will west henderson be able to stay at home you know some of the other teams that are up in that area when they get home games and making it difficult and you know you you worked up the mountain so you may not have had this experience as much as me, but I can remember going up the mountain to see a right-handed pitcher throw early in the season. And what it was say early, it was probably late March. Um, but we had practice at Charlotte. So it was a lighter day. So we were allowed, you know, t-shirt and shorts was fine. It was just kind of a move around activation day. So I wore t-shirt shorts. I had to put sunscreen on and I had a bucket hat on for that day at practice. I knew going up the mountain, it's going to be colder. So I had jeans, I had a polo, I had a pullover. I got to the game, and it was 55 degrees. Perfect. The JV game went and went and went and went, and my 6 o'clock start got pushed (laughs) like 7.15. Some sort of storm system came in with just wind and cold air, no rain, and it went from 55 to 28 in about 30 minutes. (laughs) And about the second inning, I just called our head coach and said, hey, this evaluation on this kid sucks because he got loose an hour before the game. They've scored nine runs in the first. He's trying to go back out there. And the temperature dropped 40 degrees from his first inning to his second inning. So I'm leaving. And our head guy was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Uh, Yeah, just I agree with you. We'll go back up and see him again. What I really was, I was freezing my freaking eh, off. And I didn't have enough clothes. I need to figure out a reason to get out of there. You can't hide from it. And so, you know, I don't know that's going to happen in May, but there are probably some teams that have been playing in 78 degree weather. You know, maybe Roberson schedules a seven o'clock game, knowing it's going to be in the fifties and see if they can't catch somebody, you know, shivering a little bit for that first and second inning. Yeah. A uh, question. I'm sure people's people's asked it or thought about it. How concerned should we be about East Forsyth and East Rowan heading into the playoffs with their recent struggles? That's a great question. So East Forsyth doesn't bother me. 
And and one of the things that happened in our polls this week is our, our Power 25 gets released on Monday. And you do a great job on that. And then we send all that stuff in. Well, because we're getting to the end of the year, typically they would just take the, the schedule and the records from prior. And they'll they'll leave our teams in the order with the regional rankings and then with the national rankings. Well, West Forsyth and East had a game moved to Monday. And so that Monday score came out as they were doing the national. And that loss, you know, they were at 23, bumped them behind Wake Forest in our region, bumped them behind St. John's, who's a team out of Maryland in our region, and bumped them out of the national. So you're going to see the number one ranked team in the Power 25 behind the number two ranked team in the Power 25 in the region. And that number two ranked team is in the national ranking. The number one ranked team isn't. And it's because of the Monday score. The loss doesn't bother me because of this. I think they got ambushed earlier in the week when when Harrison Lewis was as good as he was. You know, I, I heard reports up to 95, holding 90-92, you know, and, and we've seen him throw. We know he can do that. Um, and it wasn't like the game got out of hand. They had a chance to – I think they had a chance to tie the game late in the fifth or sixth with runners in scoring position and just didn't get it done. And then Harrison hit a, hit a uh, home run late, kind of insurance run and seal the deal. The Monday game, I think, got away from them a little bit. But there's still time with this week to kind of regroup, reset. Okay, we've had our slip up. Now we can go. <clears throat> with with Easterland – it doesn't bother me when Mako's on the mound. And he's had some games where he's sprayed the ball a little bit. But if he's on the mound, I think they're the best team that they'll, they'll be on the field that day. Where they've struggled is they're two, they're three, they're four, they're five, they're six, they're seven, who are usually they, they've got a bunch of guys that throw strikes. Those guys haven't thrown as many strikes as they need to. And so can they get that fixed? That's a bigger question. I think they've been exposed a little bit in terms of, how good is their depth on the mound, and can they use their depth the way they've used it in the past, running four and five and six different pitchers out there to change looks when they need to? You know, it, it, if one of them figures it out, they're going to be fine. But if they stay where they're at right now and all those guys continue to scuffle a little bit, they're going to be a team that, that's going to have to do some things different to win games. They may have to win, you know, with special teams or an onside kick or something there late. Yeah, I mean, we've – both of us have seen that club, and I know we both commented on the, the depth of the lineup and, and what they have there. It just – you always wonder, it, losing late before the playoffs start, is it is it good for a club or does it make them question how good they are? And, and it's, you know, interesting to see which way that, which way that goes. Yeah, and, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on both those coaching staffs because I think both those coaching staffs have been through this before. They both have been around teams that have had expectations getting into the tournament. And, you know, now how do we handle those expectations coming off a week like we had last week and then move forward? So I, I, I'm putting some trust in, in those coaching staffs, knowing them. But it, you're still dealing with the, the psyche of 14 to 17-year-olds. And so do those guys snap back in? Honestly, the teams that I were around with, most of those guys have such a short memory until they really get into college and the memory lengthens a little bit. <laughs> they all think they're going to win the state championship. Yeah. What happened last week doesn't matter. We're, we'll, we'll figure out a way to win. The, the trick is when it gets really tight in the fifth inning, do they revert back and go, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Or do they just trust and continue to play? 
And I think that's the well, you know the one good thing of the North Carolina setup is when the playoffs start on you know Tuesday or whenever, everybody has a chance to win. Yeah, I mean you put you play good on one night, you can play a long time. That's right. That's right. I, you know, and that's a really good point. And we've seen teams that have won state championships that really weren't the best team in the state, but they played the best for about three weeks. And they had the right matchups, and they had the right guy on the mound. They had a guy on the mound get hot. They had a guy in the lineup get hot, and all of a sudden, boom, bang, bam, they're in a three-game three game series in the region. They're in a three-game series in the state championship, and they get a complete game out of somebody. They get a home run out of somebody, and they're holding up the trophy. So <laughs> it's one, that is that is something that's unique in our state. I'm still not a fan of the setup, but I do like the yeah. fact that, you know, you do have that opportunity. Mooresville a couple years ago. That's the one where. I was thinking of. Mooresville and then even North Lincoln, uh, was it the year before? Or maybe the yeah, same maybe, year. Maybe in the same year. Because I was I think both of them were at UNCG. So I sat I was sitting there for both games and, and watching it play out. And really, you know, two clubs that, that talent wise weren't as good as the team they were beating, but they played better baseball. They they threw more strikes, they caught the baseball cleaner, they put more balls in play. And I know as much as is going on in the world these days, and it's, it's dimmed down a little bit about home runs, doubles, you know, launch angle. <clears throat> when we get into playoffs, who puts the ball in play? You can almost go back through and, and, and go strikeouts and errors will determine winners more so than anything else. The team yep. with the most strikeouts has a chance to win. The team with the fewest errors has a chance to win. And if you're both of those, you probably win. Yep. All right, Matt. Well, another great podcast from us. Again, uh, for our fans out there, if you hadn't, there's a subscribe button in YouTube. Head on over to YouTube if you're not watching it there. Spotify, you know, subscribe. Get, up, get weekly updates when we post this stuff. And it's going to be fast and furious from here on out because we got playoff baseball to talk about. For Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. We'll see you at the field.